vegan sausage rolls. Are you? Have you eaten a vegan? I've not, but it's meant to be a monster hit for the in England. That would have lost him voters, dude. <laughs> being like, I've eaten. Just even if he didn't say weird, just being like, I've eaten a vegan sausage roll. So many Brits would have been like, you fucking They're what? Like, Boris Johnson's you, gay. You little gay man. <laughs> what a little gay boy. <laughs> that's the. Uh, sorry to break it to you, brother, but I'm editing it. You better believe that's the call. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. Hello, Governor. <laughs> I'm Andrew. How's it going? Been sitting on that one for a month. You happy with it? Uh, no, that was based on the cold open that I'm assuming that you just edited in. Oh, okay, great. Putting a lot yeah, of faith yeah. in you there, because otherwise, <laughs> man, you could really fuck me in the edit. If I leave that out, God, you're going to seem like a real I Wally. Will be a, I will be a right weirdo. You've set yourself a, up for a real lose-lose. nonce. I'll be a bloody nonce. <laughs> Sweet. So, uh, welcome back for uh, another another week, another time, another another period of mm, Beef Station podcasting. Uh, here we are, back again. Uh, I think this is becoming increasingly more intermittent, but I'm enjoying that we we can do what we can, and we can do it when we want to do it. Yeah. So here's, here we are. We'll try um, to be a little more frequent, but um, bit which, of a peek behind the curtain. Had a shite time recently, and mm. a lot of stressful stuff going on. So it's been yeah, we've <laughs> we've been like very been relaxed ex- about it. Yeah. Uh, not that that's been our excuse, but that's been our reason the last like ten times. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, yeah. I guess this is just life. We're Had just, a lot we're going just busy. on, but um, but particularly been having a shit time. So yeah, it's um, we've just backed off a little bit, but I'm feeling feeling keen to get back into uh, a little more regular stuff. Anyway, I, we don't need to tell you this. I, I had several people hit me up and ask me where the episode was, which was lovely yeah. to know that people are looking forward to it and people enjoy listening to these. If you like these, tell your friends. We think they're good. Yeah, send it to them. Get get the get get the pot stirring. I want. Thousands of people hitting me up asking Ideally, me where yeah. the fuck their I free entertainment enough, is. I would. The dream would be enough that I can do this for like a Patreon, and <laughs> and and that's my job. That would be perfect. I don't want to do my job. I just want a podcast. I want to be a podcast. That's what they need. Is more. The, the problem is. Well, we do need more Italian representation in podcasting. So it is very frustrating that we are two white men with a podcast, yeah. and I feel like every two white men with podcasts feel like they're different, and they're the exception. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Ours but is fine. different though. Ours is good. I don't tell people that. I just say like. Oh, it's fucking stupid. Listen yeah. if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, may, maybe, you know, I'm starting to piece together reasons why maybe we don't have yeah. that many listeners. I black up. I just refuse to plug it. <laughs> I black up before I tell people I have a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Robert, yeah, Robert Downey right. Jr. Just style. Wear, wear some of the... Um, yeah. Do, go... British British woman style and put oh, yeah. shades of toner or whatever the exactly. fuck. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, just way too dark for your skin tone. Like, go <laughs> way too many shades down. Oh, I thought you meant like Mrs. Doubtfire no, no, or something. <laughs> that would be good too. I that might get you more listeners. I think. What if one yeah. of us was in character as Robin Williams as Mrs. Doubtfire the whole time? That would be pretty good. Oh god. Yeah. I mean, I could be. I could be wearing the fit. I, I like those like ridiculous style. There's um. Uh, there's this there, Ross Noble has a podcast. I haven't watched Mrs. Doubtfire in maybe sixteen years. Yeah, I've never seen it. You've never seen it. No. Damn. Rob, uh, Ross Ross Noble has a podcast. Mm. Thank you. That was enough time for me to Google the thing I needed yeah, to. You're welcome. Um, to, uh, where him and a guest. I think it's actually. I think it's like Ed Cavalier or someone. It's some Australian. Oh, yeah. I love comedian. Ed Cavalier because I think Ross Noble lives in Australia. Yeah, he does. He's married to an Australian. Great. Ross Noble and some Australian comedian had this podcast where every week they watch some dated old '90s video clip. Uh, for like a music video and rip oh, on yeah. it. Yeah. And nice. Ross Noble has this like big long waffly impressionist. Uh, what do you call it when you make jokes up? 
Improvisation. Thank you. Improvi- <laughs> improvisational Bloody. style. Um, and the first episode, they were supposed to be doing Shania Twain's That what Don't do Impress. What do you call it when you make jokes? Oh, Yo, yeah. You really could have got me going there. I was, I was just as ashamed. I, I, I was surprised I was that you let that go. I processing that you forgot the word <laughs> improvisation. Like, I was like, no. It just didn't make sense to I me. I went with impressionistic like three times. Yeah. Um, God. Anyway, the first episode, they were supposed to be doing Shania Twain's That Don't Impress Me Much. And Ross mm. Noble waffled on for so long. That don't impress me much. That don't impress me much. Um, that they never got to it. That don't impress me much. Yeah, very good. So now the bit is... Every single week They're doing Shania Twain They're doing Shania Twain That don't impress me much And they never get to it yep, And they great. go Oh we've run out of time Sorry Next week we'll get to it And they're up to like 50 episodes or something. Yeah 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 <laughs> uh, Well we were saying We should do that with Titanic Cause like should- I got given that DVD Specifically by someone That listens to the podcast well, then, we can sh- then we should do it I don't <laughs> I never want to do it <laughs> <laughs> That's the 100th God. episode Is there a Titanic 2 I can watch instead yeah, yeah, I should only watch that and when people ask, like, have you ever seen Titanic? I could be like, no, but I have seen Titanic 2. We're so like, let's talk about that. We're like, this week, long-awaited and requested topic, we're doing Titanic 2. two. <laughs> the sequel to Titanic by James Cameron. Yep. The sequel to Titanic 1. Who directed Titanic 2? You do not know the answer to this off the top of your no. head. You just stared off in a space for a sec, like, no, nah, I'll know this. <laughs> Bitch, no, you don't. Well, if the answer isn't Paul McCartney, then no. Well, or James Cameron, like, yeah. What uh, did you hope to guess? The answer is Shane Van Dyke. Yep. Oh, I think they're actually reasonably well known. Uh, are they? I don't know. I mean, clearly not. <laughs> Titanic 2 Great. is a 2010 drama no, disaster film. No, no, I just film. want to know about shit. Wait, 2010? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brother, Titanic we 2. need to watch this film. <laughs> this article is about the 2010 disaster movie for the Clive Palmer project, see Titanic 2. Oh, that's Ti- right. Titanic 2 is a planned passenger ocean liner intended that's to be a functional right. modern day replica that's of the right. Olympic class and RMS Titanic. Like, do, you, do you know what happened to the Titanic? <laughs> The project was announced by Australian businessman Clive Palmer. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Um, Titanic 2 is a 2010 drama disaster film written, directed by, and starring Shane Van Dyke. Mm. Fuck yeah. Now that's how you know it's going to be good. Oh, despite the title, it is not a sequel to the 1997 James Cameron film. It is a mockbuster of it. Oh. It was what? released directed TV in Australia. Uh, nah, this, fuck this. If you're not going to do a sequel to it. It the sucks. film is set on a fictional replica Titanic that sets off exactly a hundred years after the ship's the original ship's maiden voyage and it all to perform the reverse again. route, but global warming and the forces of nature cause history to repeat itself on the same night, only on a more disastrous and deadly what? scale. Global warming? Are there like is are there like more icebergs because more of the shelf has broken off? Like uh, what maybe. the fuck? Yeah, it's more <laughs> what disastrous. What are they talking about? On a more disastrous. More disastrous than the Titanic. Yeah. Like, it, it's like it gouges itself on an iceberg and then gets, like, struck by lightning <laughs> and then sucked into a whirlpool. And it says the what? N-word as it's going yeah, down. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> oh, this is <laughs> bloody hell. This is a disaster. Oh, this is good, man. The film has received a negative response from yep. most film critics. Really? On the, on the website, thecriticalcritics.com, the film was reviewed as being a mixed bag since it's better than one might expect, but not as good as one might hope. 
Yeah, that's about where I would have placed it. Yeah. God damn. Though panned generally as pretty lackluster, <laughs> and as well as riddled with disaster movie cliches, the performances of so- of ca- some cast members were highlighted for pra- for praise. But if it's like okay, if it because if it's full parody, mm-hmm. it could be. I feel like it could be a work of genius. You know what I mean? I don't really and understand then, what mockbuster is. Yeah, neither. Is that like one of those birdemic oh, okay, type shit? A mockbuster is a is a film created with the intention of exploiting the publicity of another major motion picture with oh, a similar okay. title or subject. Mockbusters are often made with a low budget and quick production to maximize profits. Uh, yeah. Okay. Great. Mm. There you go. So yes, it does exist. Shane Van Dyke, you were asking, uh, is good old SVD, the son of Barry Van Dyke oh, and the grandson DVD. of Dick Van Dyke. DVD. <laughs> You motherfucker. Thank you for the one, two, three. Yep, very good. Uh, he's... Oh, man. Van Dyke has performed... Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke only died recently, right? You'll love this, man. You know, Dick Van Dyke's still alive. Okay, right. He's like 107 so that means or something. He fucking saw Titanic 2 yeah. come out, and he was yeah. like, my fucking grandson. He's probably alive to witness the original Titanic. Yeah, literally. He might have been in one of the screenings. <laughs> Actually, I reckon he would have been like... Sorry, I'm just really busy. <laughs> no, I, I can't make it. I, think it. I wonder what Dick Van... No, okay. No, our listeners only have so much patience. My point is what I wanted to get to was uh, Van Dyke has performed screenwriter duties for various films, including Transmorphers 2. Great. Great. Street, Great. Ra- Great. <laughs> Street Racer. Paranormal yep. Entity. <laughs> the Day the Earth Stopped. Yep. Really good. <laughs> and The Silence. What's that one? The Silence is the Stanley Tucci one that ripped off A Quiet Place. Oh. And we're doing Quiet Place 2 this week. Wait. The Silence. God, not... I thought you were talking about Bird Box, but no. Because he's not in Bird Box. The Silence is a 2019 horror film. Fuck. Uh, screenplay by Carrie and Shane Van Dyke adapts the 2015 horror novel of the same name. The film depicts a world under attack by creatures who hunt by sound. Great. Uh, yeah, fuck. You did a really good segue. Just cut this bit. <laughs> there you go. Shipka plays a late deafened teenager who seeks shelter with her family and a cult seeks to take advantage of her fertility. Jesus. Great. So, oh, God. What? Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Speaking of Shane Van Dyke's Titanic 2, we are doing A Quiet Place 2. Great. Which are both... Well, no, actually, because Titanic 2 is not a sequel. No, it's a mockbuster. Yeah, that's right. Idiot. It feels like they should have called it, like, ship disaster or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not like... like I feel like for a mockbuster, you can't use the same fucking word. The day the Earth, the day the earth stopped that, is the, so the day, good. It's so good. <laughs> like, it's really good. You gotta, you gotta admire the, the yeah, fucking... Yeah, it's like this... It should have been like, you have to be quiet or something. <laughs> Uh, okay. All Fuck right. yeah. Um, <laughs> do you want to do a bit of news? Sure. All right. Cool. Beef bulletin. All right. We've got Knives Out Two. We talked about last week. We know a bit more about the cast. So long ago. So obviously Daniel Craig is back as Benoit Blanc. We've got uh, a whole bunch of actors confirmed, including Dave Bautista, Janelle Monae, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Kate Husden, 
Kate Hudson <laughs> and this motherfucker said Hudson <laughs> and Edward Norton. Yeah, uh, that's along right. with Madeline Klein. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard of a few of those, but there you go. I think Madeline Klein was in Stranger Things most uh, recently. So there you go. There's sure. that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, she Jan? Hey, was she Jan? No, already no, closed the tab. Not with a name like Klein. Bill Skarsgård's going to be in John Wick Four. Didn't really like John Wick Three, but I'm yeah, there we go. I, I think I need to rewatch it because um, everyone else seemed to like it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's going to be an anime version of uh, Lord of the Rings. Jesus. Not like an adaptation of one of the books, like a spin-off. It's going to be called The Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rorim. Okay. Uh, yep. Are they going to do that shit where there's like there's like a thousand-year-old elven princess, but she looks like she's nine? Hell yeah. And they're like, Hope it's so. fine, dude. She's a thousand. <laughs> Uh, here's one Samuel L. Jackson lists his top five favourite Samuel L. Jackson films quote if I'm channel surfing and I pass something I'm in I stop and watch it the actor speaking with the <laughs> late okay I was going to make fun of it that's king shit <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the, um, speaking with Stephen Colbert on The Late Show uh, he openly admitted to watching his own films he also voiced his suspicion about actors who say they don't quote uh, some actors lie to you about it. They watch their movies. It's a watch me business. That's why we're here. I don't. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think there's definitely some people that would. would do okay, that. absolutely not. I mean, the list is just a list, but the list of his favorite films that he was in. Is Wait, the... okay, okay. You're seeing it. Let me try and predict. I haven't heard of most any of, of them. Movies. Okay, fuck. All right. The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah. No, time to Kill. Yeah. The Red Violin. One eight seven and Jackie Brown. I was gonna say Jackie Brown. Fuck, I was gonna say Jackie. Yeah, Brown. yeah, yeah. Go. That was the only one I thought of because I was like, he's not going and watching fucking Kingsman. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Jackie Brown fucking rocks. Okay, there you go. In terms yeah. of films that he hasn't appeared in that he likes, The Raid, The Godfather, Hard Boiled, Hoodlum, and The Berlin File. Okay, so he's either got a very unusual or a very shit taste in movies. This guy's dumb as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like The Raid, but man. <laughs> That's a that's a movie for you you know where you just your brain just goes like whoa <laughs> there you go well he's old enough that you know maybe um True. this is this is this is kind of cool so there was a book uh, released in two thousand and nine that's like a historical fiction kind of book it was called the pale blue eye dot. okay uh, <laughs> the pale blue dot it's called the pale blue eye and it was a book. Uh, a set in like the 1830s and it's like a detective murder mystery kind of thing where this dude finds a dead body and they're trying to catch the killer but his assistant is this military cadet named Edgar Allan Poe right. and apparently Edgar Allan Poe really was a military cadet back in the 1830s and then like in 1845 Edgar Allan Poe wrote The Telltale Heart yeah. about like a guy who was killed and his heart kept beating under the floorboards and he's got these pale blue eyes and the body is like haunting mm. so I suppose like maybe the book is it's like a fictional story of like what might have inspired Edgar Allan Poe to to write the story right Telltale Heart it's being adapted to a film it's being adapted into a movie uh, fucking uh, Dudley Dursley is going to be in it as Edgar Allan Poe oh, Harry, Mr. Harry Small Eyes yeah that's right he was really good. Mr. Small Eyes. Your eyes are too close. Yeah, nice. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, so he, that's going to be good. Christian Bale. It's going to be like a horror thriller kind of movie with Christian Bale as the detective and uh, Old Mate as Edgar Allan Poe. Bale doesn't actually sign on to that many films, so that's cool, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he signs on to heaps of films, but they're all good. Well, and Netflix apparently bought it for like a record amount of money. Uh, 
they bought it for like $55 million at some like mm, market where the film's already it's done. It's going to be mediocre. Well, the, I think the film's it's, done. There's, there's too much money in it. It's going to be <laughs> mediocre. Uh, in this article that talks about uh, this 1830s Edgar Allan Poe fucking murder mystery thing, it says that also at Netflix, Steven Spielberg and Stranger Things creators the Duffer Brothers are set to adapt Stephen King's The Talisman for the streaming service. Okay. How's this? It's this fantasy story that, Steve, uh, that uh, fucking Stephen King released in 1984 about this 12-year-old kid who goes on some giant fucking journey to save his dying mother, it says here in NME. Spielberg has held the rights to this for over 40 years. He bought the rights to The Talisman in 1982, two years before the book came out. Damn. So, yeah. they, he optioned that shit. Very nice. I guess so. Smart move, buddy. Uh, yeah. He's probably got a fucking... His company probably has like an absolute mountain of options <laughs> for books and scripts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm going to say it. Say Edgar it. Allan Poe's eyes, notably far apart, I reckon. <laughs> I think Harry Melling... Oh, no, look at that second photo down. They're, they're reasonably close together. No, I think they've, I think they've gone the other way. <laughs> I think they've overcorrected for history's <laughs> mistakes. You know what I mean? History's mistakes. <laughs> Fuck yeah. He does have, and my man's cranium is insane. If you Google Edgar Allan Poe, look at this shit. This is nuts. Oh yeah, he looks. He, he looks. Uh, He's got like fifty percent of the mass of his skull above his eyes. Have you heard the story about how Edgar Allan Poe died? No. He was found uh, heavily drugged and drunk, dead in the street, dressed in someone else's clothes. Damn. And the idea, the theory, no one, it's a mystery as to how he died. And the theory is that maybe he was engaged in some sort of election fraud style scheme that was popular back in the day, where they would get people drunk, send them in to vote for their candidate, get them out, dress them in, dress them up in different clothes and send them in to vote again. And they vote multiple times oh, at multiple right. different election wow, booths all around town. Yeah, yeah. And so the theory was that someone like maybe drugged him. And got him involved in that. There you go. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's politics, baby. <laughs> Is that it for news? Uh, I think so. There's, there's a project that sounds cool. Did you ever see that Dev Patel movie? I'm showing you the poster, Lion, no, from didn't. a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, I know about it. But the I name of the guy it. is Garth Davis, the guy that directed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's got a new movie coming out soon called Foe. It's going to have Saoirse Ronan, Paul Mezcal, Lakeith Stanfield in a Garth Davis-directed sci-fi thriller. If he was in Star Wars, he'd be Darth Davis. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for the news. <laughs> uh, that's it. I, I suppose I just like Saoirse Ronan and Lakeith Stanfield. And I like the idea oh, of... That sounds great. I was honestly fixated on Darth Davis. I barely heard what you Darth- said. <laughs> The film is a taut sensual... Sensual? <laughs> what the fuck? Taut and sensual. Taut sensual. <laughs> it's not out yet, bro. Chill out. <laughs> Psycho- I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> the film is a taut, sensual, psychological mind bender set in the near future where corporate power and environmental decay are ravaging the planet. Oh, oh, right, right, up, okay. right up your alley, Yeah, I mean, bro. it sounds like... It sounds like... Sounds like shit. a fiction for sure. Well, the Keith Stanfield, I think, is... is um, I think he's good. Yeah. He's in Sorry to Bother You. Yeah. But so was uh, um, Minari Man, Stephen Yun, and then he was like a big, uh, a big fucking yeah. Biden guy in the primaries. So I don't know. Yeah. You never know, you know. Um, I don't know. It, this is a big long fucking article that describes the plot of the movie. It sounds quite cool. Oh, <laughs> Paul Mescal, Paul Mescal's the, uh, the guy from uh, Normal People, that Irish guy. Oh yeah, he's yeah, amazing. Sure. Sounds cool. Uh, that's the end of the news. Okay, cool. Business. Pleasure. 
Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Pleasure, pleasure, of course, the segment where every week we dedicate a decent amount of the, a decent amount of the episode to discussing our movie. That's the official movie for the episode. There's yep. one official movie. That's a quiet place too. But also, we have time the for QPT. other shit. Stuff that we want to watch. That we just watch for pleasure rather than for beefness. So, that's what this segment is. I'm not liking the creeping Italian accent I hear in your voice there. <laughs> <laughs> Merging dangerously close, man. Um, no, I do like it. Uh, we watched... Animal Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, not, yeah, now, yeah. get that American television series out of here. Okay. Get that the fuck out of here. I'm not talking about that. Oh. I'm talking about 2010, David Michaud, directed and written. Um, so, it's like one of the most famous Australian movies out there. And it's also, I think, inarguably one of the best Australian movies ever made. I know, like, people instinctively... I think people hear the phrase, like, Australian cinema and just, like, kind of go in their minds, like, meh. I'm not, I'm not going to watch that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but this is genuinely really good. Um, and also so is a lot of Australian cinema. It's, it's a got such a bad Sick crime drama. Yeah. So it's about... It's like heavily inspired by um, real events, even though David Michaud has come out and been like, no, 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 it's not... I mean, it's about a lot of different families and stuff, but then it basically historically perfectly matches this one particular family. It's like family, one so Melbourne crime family yeah, or whatever. Yeah, so it's like heavily inspired by real events. Um, <laughs> but also, like, if it's the unauthorized account of this fucking brutal yeah, crime yeah. family, and they're like, are you ripping off these guys? Yeah. No one's going to be like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, are you painting these crime bosses very unfavorably? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but it is doing that. Yeah. Uh, and it's very good. So it kind of follows this. Um, I think he's like 17 years old, this guy called Jay. And uh, it follows him right at the start of the film. His mother dies and she was estranged from her family. This It's this kind of crime family. Um, and they take him under their wing and he kind of gets sucked into their criminal world. And it follows a lot of the relationships in the early 2000s, I think it's based. Something between, like they have flip phones and shit. Yeah, yeah. Between yeah. Um, Melbourne crime, underbelly style crime gangs and the police. Um, kind of from the point of view of this um, relatively naive, new to the world teenager, Jay. And I think yeah. it's a really great perspective and lens to put all that through because... You can see, it feels like, you know what it feels like? It feels like, you know how when you're young, you've got like that cool family member or like that you cool <laughs> uncle or whatever. And you like feel lucky that they think you're cool. Feel lucky that right. they think you're cool And then or when whatever. you grow up and you start looking and they haven't changed in like 20 years and you've changed a lot and you're like, I think this person's kind of not cool. And maybe <laughs> yeah. they kind of never were and I just didn't know any better. It feels like the crime family version of that where I think... It's never he's never quite like looking at them being like these guys are so cool but you know what just cool? feels like a million dollars yeah that's right it just feels like um that we're he, gonna steal you watch him kind of 
grow to understand these people a lot more. He like I guess the film forces him to like lose his naivety and his youth very quickly. Yeah. Even though based on the start of the film, like his mum overdoses, so he's clearly already like, you know, He's like, like, like pull, yeah, exactly. He's pretty clearly had like a rough life yeah. at the beginning, anyway. But nothing close to to what he gets involved with with his family. It's yeah. extremely well acted. So it's got Jackie Weaver, who's unbelievably good. Ben Mendelsohn. I think I think both of those were nominated for Oscars. Maybe, I know yeah. at least one of them was Joel Edgerton. Um, Joel Edgerton. Guy Pearce. Fucking banging cast, and also all of the rest of the people in it are extremely good as well. Um, yeah, everyone's fantastic in it. It's a really tight script. It's got a very interesting and reassuring... I'm like coming up on five minutes, so I'll cut it soon, but yeah. it's got a really interesting production perspective behind it that for, for a filmmaker is really great. Apparently, it took him roughly 10 years to write from the first version. He, he like finished the first draft of the script in the year 2000. It got made in Workshopped it fucking heaps. Workshopped it heaps, exactly. And, um, and, and it's very reassuring that it took him that long as someone who's aspiring to do that and is like sort of of a similar age where he might have started writing his first feature or whatever because he was yeah. 38 when this got made, which yeah. is quite late for, um, you know, for, for filmmakers. So it's, it's nice. And he made a bunch of short films. If you have seen Animal Kingdom but you don't know much about David Michaud, Look up Crossbow, his short film that's, I think, on um, Vimeo. It's like, you can watch it online. It's free. Um, That feels like a bit of a proof of concept. It's about a a teenager who um, is completely alienated from his maternal mother who just kind of actively spurns him. And that's another Um, Michaud film. That's a short film that he made, yeah. Um, And it's also got... Maybe it's also got Joel Edgerton in it, I think. This dude's a one-trick pony. Um, what, jo- so, Joel Edgerton helped um, produce Animal Kingdom, and it might have been how he kind of got on board. Um, but yeah, really fantastic. I, I'm very... I haven't watched The King. That's a David Michaud-directed Netflix film with uh, Timothy Chalamet in it. I've been trying to get us to do it for a while, but it's never, <laughs> quite, never quite happened. So maybe I'll maybe I'll watch that soon and, and we can chat about it. But yeah. I, I really like it. It's very Australian. I feel like the tone, especially from Mendo... Um, ben Mendelsohn is so fucking good. He's unbelievably in this movie. He's cool. so intimidating and so... In such a way that you don't see very often. Like yeah. he's so scheming and underhanded. And he has that really like uh uh douchebag, shit stirry kind of Australian yeah. uh jokey attitude. Yeah. The bit where he's like well the, the bit where he's like he's provoking his brother. Where he like, goes he calling calling his brother gay. Yeah, I'm being like, a coke's not a very gay drink, mate. I don't care if you're gay, mate, just tell me. I, I don't just want you to tell me. <laughs> I hate to hear you're living a lie. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really, but then, but then, like, what's genius about that a scene? Dick like that. Right, but what's genius about that scene is that then he's like, "What do you think we should do?" And his brother's like, "I don't know, fuck off." And he's like, "Are you scared? Are you scared to do something? I don't care if you're scared. Just tell me." Yeah. He does like the <laughs> same exact thing, but he's pivoted from like making fun of him to really digging the claws in and being yeah. like, "You're being a fucking pussy." Everyone it's in this really movie is good. so terrifying. It's fucking. Great. Oh, it's great. It's it makes it gives you a real sense of like danger and like yeah. like he, i mean i know it's uh, stupid because it's called animal kingdom but you they make you feel like these people are predators like animal apex predators yeah. it's really fucking cool yeah. great film highly recommend going and watching it um or watching it it's on stan it's on something. Yeah. i want to say it's stan say it go on say it's it. on a streaming platform here 
Um, check that out, or you can also rent it. Uh, yeah, Stan, it it's on Stan. Blu-ray, yeah. so that's <laughs> you can rent it from me. I'll pay you five bucks, <laughs> twenty and bucks. Fuck yeah! Um, I watched uh, an HBO series. It's a mini series. It's seven episodes long, uh, and it's called Mayor of uh, East Town. Everybody talking about this. It's a fucking great show, man. Mm. And the it's, segue there is that they both have Guy Pierce in them. The segue there is that we were done talking about Animal Kingdom. Mm. Yeah, well, Guy Pierce is also in this. Yes, so Kate Winslet. <laughs> what the puts, fuck just happened? <laughs> Kate Winslet. Uh, I was like, I don't need your segue, bitch. I can talk about whatever I want. I already stopped. I already <laughs> missed the segue. <laughs> I, I know. Uh, Kate Winslet is in it as a uh, cop in some town in like Pennsylvania or some shit, and she's forty-five or something. Uh, her marriage is split up. Uh, she's got a daughter and had a son, but the son died in tragic circumstances and in the middle of her like psychologically um feeling like not feeling this this pressure to get on with her job as a police uh, as a police officer in this small town yeah she also like isn't giving her isn't giving herself enough time to grieve for her son Mm -hmm. uh and it's sort of fucking her up emotionally she's also been responsible for looking for a missing girl who has been missing for like a year and people in the community are sort of blaming her for the fact that the girl might be dead now. Yeah, that girl is dead. Right. And so she's kind of half like, that girl's dead. Who cares? Yeah. And half like, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking trying. And yeah. then another girl... Goes uh, missing. Yeah, another girl turns up dead. And right. so now it's like, lady, there are two girls that are dead slash missing in this town. What the hell what are you are doing? What are you doing about and so it? it's kind of about her like spiraling down and losing control and tr- struggling to keep her grips on her own life. Mm. And then the well, other That's what half- you don't want to do if you're trying to figure out who murdered two, <laughs> two girls. I wouldn't do that. Oh, no. I would and then it's maybe spiraled upwards. Oh, yeah. Yeah, try, try and try, start looking like, for them. Traveled linearly upwards. <laughs> and then it's half about... Um, it's shortest distance spiral. Very yeah. inefficient for covering the... <laughs> The wax. I'll give I'll give you a number. Yeah, and then it's it's half about like the investigation into this murder, and it's one of those really cool like detective murder investigations where you can see like where all the clues go, and you it's it's every episode ends on a really great cliffhanger that keeps you going. It's nice that it's only seven episodes and that's done. Like it's not. It reminds me of Broadchurch, from like the female police officer. Also dealing with shit in her personal life. I've never seen Broadchurch, but sure. Great. Oh, well, Broadchurch is extremely good, so I'd yeah. highly recommend checking oh, that cool. out. Oh, cool. Okay, great. Yeah, uh, well, Olivia Coleman and David Tennant. Absolutely both. Like, Olivia, that for me was the, the cipher for where Olivia Coleman, because I'd seen her in like fucking Peep Show and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, she's very funny. Very, very, very funny. And that was but like, then oh, you she's a like, great actor. The Father and, um, uh, not The Farewell, the the Queen one. Um Lobster Man directed it. Yeah, the favorite. The favorite. Thank you. The father and the favorite, and it's like this person can act in films that start with F. Yeah. So, um, that for me, Broadchurch was like, <laughs> oh shit, she can really meant, like, fucking films act. Films with a capital F. <laughs> but films you melt, with a capital but F. You melt, like you meant the favorite, and the father. Yeah. Yep. You, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Very proud of that one. So, yeah. um, yeah, Broadchurch is she's like the linchpin of that really working but it's also nice to see David Tennant doing something that's because he's also a very very good actor yeah. doing something that's not Doctor Who yeah so yeah really good oh, cool. recommend watching okay. that Mayor of so East Town is also very Broadchurch. good. <laughs> yeah, great. No, uh, it's Mayor of East Town. Mayor of East Town is on... M-A-R-E. Yeah, like the horse, because her name is like Marion or, or like a knight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, huh? Nah, I don't think so. No, I got it on Binge in Australia, which is like the HBO Foxtel streaming service, but it's free for three months if you're on Telstra. Not an ad. 
Not an ad, but you know, please give us money, Foxtel. Mm. I'll say anything for a little bit of money. I yeah, really I'd enjoy it. sell out to Foxtel for money. Oh, absolutely. I'd sell out to fucking anyone for money. Are you kidding? <laughs> Marlboro. <laughs> <laughs> I'd sell cigarettes. For, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I smoke product- camels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's probably about it that I watched recently. It's been a bit since an episode, so I've watched a whole bunch mm. of stuff. That's probably the only thing that's worth worth mentioning. Um, yeah, keep it to yourself. Yeah, no, that's 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 probably all that's worth mentioning. Yeah, I watched a Bee Gees documentary. That was that was good as well. But you know, you gotta yeah. you gotta be, you gotta be into that. Remember when I said keep it to yourself? <laughs> oh, the best it was no, called Stand Alive. The best bit about the bit, uh, and it's actually called How Do You Mend a Broken Heart, oh, and it's Barry shit, Barry Gibb like reflecting on his life in the Bee Gees, but all his brothers are dead, so he's very like emotional about it. Well, it sounds very um, sad, but it is a bad name. name. Yeah. yeah, it's also one of their songs. It sounds very sad, but it is a bad name. There's. Uh, <laughs> Just quickly in this Bee Gees documentary, my favorite bit in the whole documentary is um they had like a like they had a, a keyboard synth player that was like their guy that played all the keyboard parts for years and all, on all the big disco stuff and they like got him in and he helped them he he was part part of the band when they were developing this disco sound right. and uh my favorite Bee Gees song has this great keyboard part on it it's called how deep is your love and oh yeah, yeah this, i know that and it's this beautiful little like twinkly keyboard song and it's that guy's favorite song he's ever worked on right. and he gets like really emotional when he talks about how they recorded it and about how like barry gibb was just they were just in this like room just at breakfast time and the sun was coming in and it's clearly this very formative memory for him and he talks about how like Barry was like, play the most beautiful chord you know. And he plays this chord and he and he's like, go, go to this. And they sort of figure out this chord progression together. And um, the guy's like, and I never, like, I don't, I don't have the writing. I don't, I didn't get a writing credit on that song. But, right. And his voice kind of breaks and he's like, my soul is in that song. Right. And he like starts crying. And then it just cuts to like Barry Gibb being like, all right. And then we're walking down the street doing staying alive. <laughs> and I thought like, fuck. This guy like. The guy got absolutely thrown under the bus. Yeah. Well, it sort of seems like he was, maybe it was like a, that's how it was back then kind of yeah. thing. But like, oh man, it Still was so bullshit. good. Uh, yeah. So I watched Mayor of East Town. Go, f- go fucking give Fox Hill some money. There you go. Should we get on to Quiet Place 2? Yeah, let's do it. Sweet. Why he came all the way up here? There's nothing left. There are people out there. People worth saving. Most people had finally given up hope. Yeah, so we watched this at the cinema a few, a few, a few days, maybe last weekend, a few days ago. Now I've had some time to reflect on it. What did you think overall, man? Because the um, first one we both really liked, right? Quite a bit, and I yeah. suppose as a bit of, as but a you bit gave of, it three and a half stars on Letterboxd. <laughs> so, well, I suppose as know. a as a bit of background, John Krasinski. Uh, of Jim from The Office fame. Oh no, I'm sorry, that's liable. You didn't rate it on Letterboxd. You rated the second one. 
Yeah. Um, I realized the first one was one of my favorite films that came out that year. Right. Uh, John Krasinski, Krasinski wrote and directed it. And in interviews recently. This motherfucker said John Krasinski. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what actually happened there is I couldn't remember how you said it, and my brain just like buzzed out. Yeah, you kind of nailed it though. It was something, something yeah, like John okay. Cranston. That was a very weird experience yeah. for me. Listeners, that probably didn't come across, but I feel like I lost control of my body. Great. Yeah. So the first one was kind of half about, it's half obviously like a horror movie, but John said that for him, uh, it was also like a movie a lot about like parenthood and yeah. his relationship with his children. And mm. so he said that it was very personal to him. Being an agent for the CIA. Yeah. And yeah. he said he was really happy as just as much as anyone else was about how the first one wrapped up. And so in the mm. studio, it was like, we want a second one. His first answer was like, no. The There's story, nothing more here. The story finished. I'm, I'm yeah. happy with how it finished. It's probably personal to me. And the studio was like, okay, well, he, he was like, I don't want to work on another one. And they were mm. like, all right, well, would you give us like an outline of like where a story could go so that we can give it to someone else to direct and write. And he was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll put some ideas down. And he said that in the process of putting the ideas down, he started like getting into it, getting into it and starting to like really like the ideas he was coming up with. And so like, Oh fuck, they tricked me. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do it now. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so this movie starts oh, basically straight. It gives you a flashback to like the day that these uh, quiet place, Alien. The day the Earth stopped. <laughs> Alien things, the day they sort of arrived on Earth. Arrival. And then basically most of the movie carries on immediately from where the first one left off. Yeah. 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 What did you think yeah, of Yeah, pretty much straight away. So I liked it as much as I liked the first one, but I oh, did really? like it for different reasons. Yeah. Um, I thought it was... Um, I actually really liked it as well, but like, I, I still think I like the first one a lot more. Well, so you have this like battle, right? Because part of the problem... So I think we're going <laughs> to spoil the first movie. Yeah, we'll spoil the first one. Okay, so if you haven't seen it and you're interested, like now's your chance. Go and watch it. Blah, blah, blah. There you go. We're not going to okay, spoil the spoil second this. one until we... No, that's you. right. But we will spoil the first one and there are definitely some important things that happen. People die and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Um in the first one, and I think I was on record saying this the first time as well. Yeah. I thought it was a really strong film while you were, when you were watching the way that these people had built up this universe or built the world to adapt, the way that they had had, had adapted to life without being able to really make and, sounds. Yeah, the tension, the tension where they have to be quiet all the time was done really, really well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? That sounds right, because uh, you know, if you just like, yeah, I really like that they They're all have to quiet. be quiet all the time. <laughs> That's like, what you were saying, yeah, you idiot. No, yes, I guess. But I, I, I think like the the small ways were fascinating. Like the children's toys are made out of felt. Yeah, and all that the really kind of shit, the creative, the, the creative world building stuff, like where they had to eat on yeah. lettuce leaves. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So that kind of thing, very interesting. And then at a point, of course, with these things, you always have to kind of show the monster, unless you're doing like it follows some bullshit. Yeah. But, um, I felt like the film. You, it's this. Catch-22 or this, like, twin-edged sword because you have to have the payoff of showing the monsters and you have to have the payoff of, like, conflict or a showdown or whatever. But you also then... The film pivots into being this action film and this, like, survival horror almost. Yeah, well, it it becomes less of a mystery once you've seen the monsters, yeah. And it also becomes not about... you You don't get to take the time to explain the way that they take these, like, special actions anymore because it's kind of like when they when the main like i don't know if it's a halfway point or whatever in the first one shit starts going wrong in their house and also um emily blunt uh, is so pregnant she just needs to have a child (laughs) and so um well it's it all happens in the same point in time right it all coincides 
It all goes horribly wrong. And so from that point onwards, this is one like of those middling pregnancies where you can just be pregnant. Where you forever. can choose whenever. She's yeah, just right. so pregnant yeah, that yeah. this baby fucking has to come. She should have opted into you a different, uh, different agreement. But yeah, yeah. Um, where it that did sound super dumb when I said it. The um, You're an idiot. they stop trying to be quiet basically, and they just start fighting. And that's okay. Well, there's a point where they get so overwhelmed by it. something goes wrong that means that the monsters start coming, and they're so right. overwhelmed by the monsters that. And it's kind of like triggering the zombie horde, where it's yeah. like, "Well, you're gonna have to start shooting your guns." And when you yeah. start shooting your guns, they know where you are, so yeah. they're all gonna come to you. Yeah. So, I, I felt like the film, almost not through its own fault, had to lose something of of interest in that shift, and, and so well, I really enjoyed to, it. It had to do the action really well. That's right, and I think it did. It yeah. did okay. Um, but the, the thing that I then, after that point, gained the most satisfaction from was, I think it's a pretty cool monster design, alien, whatever. And so I quite liked looking at the shit when, like when they were on screen, I thought they were quite fascinating. It was really interesting interesting to look at. Yeah. And so what I wanted from the second one was, okay, well, we already know what they are and we know how they do. So you you don't don't have have to beat around the bush. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I just want to spend more time looking at these things. I want really good, like, a lot of monsters on the screen. Well, I think you get you know a fair I mean? bit out of and this. And that's right. That's why I enjoyed it more, and that's why I enjoyed it for different reasons, is because I think it it gave you that payoff of staring at the, the, at the things for more time, spending more time around them, um, yeah. more moments where you're in close proximity to these things instead of... Because the first one, it almost felt, especially at the start of the film, it almost felt like if you make noise, you'll be smited by God. It's just yeah. like, it's it's inevitable. There's nothing yeah. you can do. If you are out in the open and you like drop a pin or something, you're just fucked. So... The yeah. second one, I feel like there's a lot less like that. Yeah, and I I, I remember us sort of breaking down because you can. I feel like w- with this movie, this these two movies specifically, you can drill down as much as you want into heaps of de- de- different little plot holes and inconsistencies that can break it for you. So I think yeah. at some point you just have to be like, okay, fine. So like, yeah, I'm with gonna that, have my like one minute winch yeah. later about it, some of the with stuff, a specific. But, yeah. yeah. So with that, you have to. I feel like with in that specific example, I can rationalize this as like, well, yeah, look, they're dead if they make too much noise. Mm. So they just try and make the minimum amount of noise as possible constantly. Yeah. And yeah. if it's going overboard to the point where it's inconvenient, great. Well, that's better than being dead. And then yeah, maybe like yeah, they're they're only they've only had that exposure to it, and then after they've had a bit more experience with the monsters, yeah, know, you have like, to oh, fill okay. in these gaps. On we your can own, feel out, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, I re- I agree. I liked that it was a lot more focused on uh, the human interactions, and you get a bit more of an idea about their role in the outside community a bit more. In that you get interactions with uh, like Killian Murphy, his character, for example. Yeah, he's quite, um, very good. The way that they interact, I think, is quite cool. And just the uh, just the idea that in the first one, it's all set on the farm and you get an idea for how they've set themselves up on the farm. Mm. And then Killian Murphy's character coming back uh, in the sort of middle part of the movie gives you this impression of like, oh, everyone had to have their own setup. And what Killian Murphy's had to figure out for himself and his family is completely different from what, John, John yeah. Krasinski and his family did. Or like because you didn't have much chance to like travel or move or much time. Like a lot of, I guess what it's kind of trying to imply is a lot of the prep that you would need to set up an environment where you can make noise, like a, yeah. say a bank vault or something where you can yeah. seal it off and then be loud. Um, 
would take a lot of noise. And so you just can never do it, right? Or yeah. you have to do it so painfully slowly that it'll take you like fucking years and you need an interim solution and that kind of thing. So he exactly, as you say, it's a combination of like the different units needs and also the different units situation that they found themselves in when it all went to shit. Yeah. Um, which was, yeah, pretty cool to see. I liked the the scene at the start. I don't know if it was actually at the start, but where the, you see where you see the attack kind of happen in more detail. Because it feels the like landing the first one. The first time? Yeah, where they're at the yeah. baseball game and then they all have I, to... There's a, that scene with the um, car or like... Is it a bus? What are they driving? She's driving yeah, a car. Yeah, car, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's like boat too, because it kind of follows John and yeah, yeah. Emily. That whole sh- that whole That's intro good. thing is one take, man. Yeah, I know. I noticed that. I, I mean, yeah. like, it. I feel like it's stitched, but yeah. I, I, I watched the thing. It's stitched in a... Yeah, John Krasinski does a breakdown for one of those, like... style. Yeah, yeah one of those wired uh, yeah. type videos online yeah. where he shows you exactly where they stitched where it. it and it's like where he gets out of a car. It stitches, yeah. like, along the edge of the car. Which yep. is clever. Yeah, pretty uh, cool. And the reason they had to stitch it, it, the only reason they had to stitch it, he says, is because he walks past a police car uh, and then when he gets out of the car, that police car explodes and flips. And it's That's like a, right, yeah. It's like a dummy car. Yeah. And so, he's like, the only, he's, he was kind of, a, it seemed crashes, like he was frustrated. He's like, ah, like, oh, the only reason is that we had to set up this fucking dummy car and we couldn't have that in the shot the whole yeah. time. So, yeah, but I thought it was very effective at building tension. It really made it, it did make you, there are a lot of moments in this. This film is very satisfying in its action, actually. I yeah. will say this. I quite like, that's one of the things, it's almost like, I wish nobody was more like this. You know, where yeah. like, you felt a real, like, things feel like they have impact. People really feel in danger. Um I feel like even though okay, so one of the worst injuries that happens in the first one is um, one of the, the kids fucking stepping dies. on the well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but even then, you barely see it. Like it just they just yeah, get yeah, like yeah. Hit, it's like they get hit by a train, man. Like yeah. that's one of the things I liked so much about that is that there was no gore in it. It almost left you without closure because you didn't see the person dying yeah, horribly. Yeah. It was just like bam, they're gone. Yeah, you know, which would as a parent, like, how do you? How do you process that that happened, right? Yeah. I feel like if you see your kid die in like a horrible way, that stays with you for a different reason. But the mystery of like just seeing them get like cleaned up and they're there one second, they're gone the next. Like it's so weird. Especially in that first one, you don't get the the catharsis of being able to like scream and cry about it. That's right. Because you're right out there in public. You have to like... Yeah. Yeah, just be silent, right? You have to be quiet. (laughs) You have to be quiet. That's... Yeah, you you do indeed need yeah. to be quiet. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um, I thought that the way that this built suspense, it doesn't. A lot of movies do this, where like action will be happening simultaneously in two different places at once. Yeah. But the way in which the action mirrors each other in two cases at the same time is it's it's. It, I don't remember a specific example, but it'll be like one character is dealing with rising water and another character is having a fight in the water at the same time. Um, uh, like Emily Blunt is walking towards the vault underground yeah. and that one of the things is right really close. Yeah. And and at the same time, the, the deaf girl and Killian Murphy are off with their own... Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, w- yeah. with their own sort of struggle. Sorry, we just... You probably heard a little noise there. Yeah, I, yeah. I accidentally spoiled something. Yeah. I forget that something happens. Yes. Oh, good. Um, there's, there's a lot of stuff... they're off with their own struggle, and so it's kind of intercutting. I think maybe this there's is... There's something where two characters almost can't breathe. Yes, that's right. Oh, it's underwater, and... 
in the in the vault. Yeah, right. They're, yeah, that you're right. There's two characters that are kind of like running out of oxygen. Yes, I it's think sick, the, but, the, but the way it does the that editing is very good. Yeah, but it's it's almost cute the way the situations match up. Like I can't tell feelings being like, oh, very good, but it works. It's it works yeah, so that's well. Right. With the it feels like it should be cheesy, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. I suppose because they're both both characters have been written to be very 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 similarly tense situations. It almost doesn't feel like oh fuck you, and it cuts between them. Mm. I don't know how to describe it, but you know how like sometimes you be you be watching something and you feel like annoyed when they cut away from it because you you just want to see how that wraps up. Yeah, it feels like it's not keeping its promises. Yeah, yeah, I I liked I liked the way it, the, the cuts between the, this, the way it does suspense is so good. It is quite good. It's it's better than I feel like because um, some of the thing I, I feel like that yeah, that's definitely one of the strengths of the movie. They build tension yeah. very well. I think that's probably I don't really remember it, but I think that's probably also due to the score and the sound design i think the sound design of this movie is reasonably good yeah um because obviously like you have to be quiet so um a lot of the time they're not it's not just filled with silence but it can be like the, i feel like the use of silence is quite effective yeah i will say so there is a there's a deaf character in this millicent, in, in, millicent simmons. simmons um who plays reagan the daughter um she <laughs> It's this movie suffered greatly from me having recently watched The Sound of Metal <laughs> right. because the sound design in The Sound of Metal was so well done and it used that person's perspective so like Riz Ahmed's character's perspective so perfectly that in this whenever they were doing like her point of view I was like ah it's just it just doesn't feel as good you know yeah. it just doesn't I quite didn't, I didn't rem- I didn't notice that I thought it was I thought it was it was very similar mm. and apparently it's similar because John Krasinski asked like what it's like to hear and what she hears, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. tried to recreate that as best as possible. Yeah, yeah, which is obviously like a um, nearly impossible task, right? Because it's it's very difficult to. I would imagine it's extremely difficult to convey. You'd almost have to find people who used to be of hearing and then have a similar thing yeah. happen well, or I something who can I, say like, oh yeah, that's what I remember. I, I think her mum described like, oh, it's muffled, so like she can hear like a loud car door slamming and that sort of, yeah, that yeah. Sort of thing. So Which is similar to, to Sound of Metal, right? Where he can yeah. hear. Very, it's like, uh, the way that it made me think was like it was underwater. Yeah. I thought she yeah. was very good in it. And I think the way that John, she was very John Krasinski liked the idea of making the kids the main character in yeah, that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like em- Emily Blunt to some degree... Felt like a main, felt like, like the supporting. lead. Like when John Krasinski said, Oh, the main character, Mill- Millicent Simmons is the main character, I thought, Oh, I didn't fit. What are Maybe it was just well, because Emily's feel like Emily either hit- of them. Yeah. Maybe it's just because Emily Blunt has a star power. Yeah. You, you may be yeah. right. But I feel like they're just equal. They're counterbalanced, right? Because like they're yeah. sort of two groups that that's, the family sort of splits up. I mean, I feel like yeah. that's one of the main differences between this one and the first one is the first one is all about that family unit, preserving that family unit as much as possible. And then the second one is much more about like the rite of passage of the kids yeah. having to go out and like stop being, like stop being these autonomous people and, and stop being protected by, by their parents. Yeah. Um, I think the main reason why I didn't like this movie as much as the first one is just because it didn't have that as that, that much like exciting discovery of all the cool of the world right. building things. Yeah. And I think that in the context of the world in which these monsters are sort of inhabiting the world and everyone has to be very quiet, um, I like I liked the suspenseful, slow, quiet stuff in the farm a lot more than I like the action set pieces. And I feel like this one had a lot more action set pieces in it. Yeah. Maybe totally. that's not true, but it feels true. I think it is true. If if nothing, uh, I mean, I guess that like maybe they're unanimous, right? Yeah. Um, 
No, unanimous. Synonymous. There's but a- the, the um, but the I feel like the sequel almost had to do that because, yeah. like you said, it's about discovery. It's about learning more about the world, and they can only do that to a certain point, or at least. They didn't choose to go in that direction. Well, I mean, when, when they go to Killian Murphy's little hideout, they could they they had a bit of that with the uh, the vault that was kind of like, yeah. oh, that's a cool, that's a neat idea. Yeah. And I they had a bit of that with the, the the baby box. I suppose the baby box was in the first movie. Um, there was mm. a bit of that, but I feel like they could have done a bit more. But I guess they chose not to. I liked. Um, should we talk a bit about uh, how? The things that weren't as clearly explained in terms of the plot. There's that bit where Millicent gets the radio broadcast and she decides she's yeah. going to go on this mission and it's not entirely clear why. Yeah, I think so. Because well, that was can, my main issue with the movie. We could probably just... I feel like we're going to talk about a lot of the stuff from the second half. So, so this we just like get a spoiler warning? Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. get into it. Cool. Um, so if you, if yeah. you haven't seen it and you don't want shit spoiled, this is your warning. We'll yep. give you a little time code to skip past the spoilers in the description. So... Um, the motive for what I suppose the whole time I was a little bit frustrated by thinking because when when you have this main character that's like I guess the the savior right which Millicent is playing the 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 person who has the technological solution to this invasion right she's the yeah. only one who can um, ostensibly fight back against these things because clearly they're very like there's something it's not entirely clear but like. They're armor-plated, and so, like, they're very, very resistant to bullets or something. But if you start, um, if you play a a certain frequency or a loud high-pitched frequency or something, it kind of stuns them, and they open up their heads. Yeah. And then, because people shoot them in the head, but they only do that when they're also stunned by this loud noise. Yeah. Okay, fine. So, we've got this idea of, But it also stops them. One of the points is they're very quick, but the loud noise stops them. It kind of stuns them, right? Yeah, Yeah, but they're stationary. Like you can't, okay, so you, you can't couldn't sh- shoot them. They, these right, guys hide, right. and one, by the time you've seen one, you're fucked. So um, yeah, but they also do kind of stalk around. They're not always moving fast. I, I suppose so. You know, like when she's approaching the the vault, it's like yeah, looking so. for but a like noise. But like once it's chasing after you, you play yeah, the high they position. move yeah. really, really fast. Yeah, she has this radio, and she hears she hears uh, a broadcast on the radio that makes her realize that. Uh, there are other people. There are other people that are alive and have a community on an island, mm. and she's like, "Well, if they're broadcasting, we should get to that island." Right, right. And she also says, "But this is the other part." So she's thinking they're broadcasting. I have a thing made from my hearing aid in the speaker that produces this noise. That means that the monsters get stunned. So I yeah. have this acoustic weapon that I yeah. can use. Right. So what I can do is I can broadcast that noise. On the radio. On the radio frequency. And then you'll have like almost this like mass deployed um, acoustic weapon that you can sort of use anywhere you have a radio, right? But they don't explain that. Well, I don't think that's... What she does in the movie, because she has this little portable guitar amplifier hooked up to a microphone, which fine, whatever. She has this little portable... That did really piss me off because it wouldn't work. There's no power source. Some of those... Some of those have a battery, I thought, later, but she didn't explain no, that. No, that was like there one of those little like a, cheap ones or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Like, there's this, this scene where you watch her cut the cable off it and then plug a microphone in. And I think you're right, it wouldn't have worked. It's but. so stupid. Well, what frustrated me, sorry to get caught up on this, and I know that you just want to move on because it's movie stuff, but yeah. 
if I were doing, if I were writing this, what I would have done is I would have made someone have to carry around a big fucking power source for this thing. Yeah. And so that's all they can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you carry around a big battery pack that's or they powering use it this like, thing. They use it like one last time and it runs out of battery. And yeah, they're like, something that's it, we're like done. That, right? yeah. or, or just something to, I feel like there's so, that solution is so like, so many people are going to look at that and be like, that just wouldn't work. And so every time she used it, mm. it w- I was, I was just, I became frustrated because it gave me this mental load of having to ignore the dumb shit yeah. in order to be like, okay, fine, cool. And it's one of those sci-fi things where they should, they could have just had one line that explained it or like, yeah, like it's a power source in of itself, which would have been like, Killian okay, Murphy could have been like, oh, it's handy. You had that charge. I just or like whatever. the idea of like encumbering this person by saying, you also have to carry around this big fucking battery pack if you want to use this thing. So yeah. it's not a very good solution, but. Yeah. It is a solution, yeah. which is still the best thing we've got so far. That, so, that was, I don't know. I was, was frustrated a, by... It feels like the movie was treating me like I was dumb. It was a very frustrating plot hole for me as well, and yeah. it, it bothered me consistently throughout the movie. Yeah, and, but and only, it was so easy to fix. Yeah, but you, they literally could have had like one line in there where they talk about the fact that it's a, it's got a battery and it's charged. Yeah. or like They cu- showed her cutting the cable off. Yeah, like, exactly. That, exactly. You don't do that. Or like, we, it, can't, you know? we can't use it too much because yeah. we've only got so much juice left yeah, in it or whatever. Exactly. The point is, anyway. in the movie, the way they describe why she wants to go to the island is the song is the message is playing on the radio it's like a cryptic song message yeah, the yeah. message is playing which on the radio which is also stupid because why are you trying to be cryptic you're only broadcasting to humans right they're not going to listen in and figure out your secret again you can just figure it out the, maybe maybe just play a recorded voice message maybe they saying, don't have a they don't hey, have a, on this fucking island. maybe they don't have a computer that works to record the audio and then play it back uh, yeah, maybe it's an maybe, old school radio maybe. thing maybe. and it just has the technology to repeat the record all the time and they're like we've got this record let's just do that i don't know exactly okay, again sure. another thing where like if it was you 20 minutes it longer yourself, yeah. it was 20 minutes long there was a lot of stuff like that though like where it was like it really feels like if the film had an extra 10 minutes they could have explained a few of these things away yeah that and not with no great difficulty but the first one has that as well like he has this elaborate setup at the farm that you must have needed to make a noise to set up that's right yeah how did he set it up like yeah. I, I feel like at some point it's just frustrating with these two movies that there's a there's several of those things where you just have to go don't don't think about yeah that. and it's annoying and that shit you, like they annoying. walk on gravel at a certain point and it's like they've been walking on sand like they've yeah. been laying sand ahead of them to walk on, and I would have loved one of the characters to acknowledge that, like, where you know maybe they have this interaction where they're like, "Wait, fucking stop! What are you doing? Like, yeah. we can't, we well, can't." I don't remember walk on gravel, of- and they're like, "No, you can walk on gravel. It's fine." Yeah. I don't remember enough for the first one, but John Krasinski's character was very, very, very protective in the first one. But so I would maybe- have liked that that was acknowledged, and it's exactly it the sort same of thing. is in the first one a bit. No, it is in the first yeah. one, but in the second one, there was it felt like there was no conflict between that over-cautiousness yeah. and the pragmatic aspect of like, well, I don't have 10 bags of sand, so I guess we just have to walk on the fucking gravel. Exactly. You know, yeah. but they didn't acknowledge it, and so I would have liked that they did. Or like a little hesitating, like... Yeah, just some moment where it's yeah. like, yeah, you don't need to do that, and also we can't. So just yeah. fucking do it. And if we get cleaned up, we get cleaned I up. I thought like I thought it was funny that Killian Murphy's character just walked around in boots everywhere. And yeah, everyone, exactly. They had no shoots on, so he was he was clearly like, you fucking nerds are taking this like way, way too, too seriously. seriously. Yeah, but I but I think that is if I had to try and make this film more like the first one, that angle of like actually figuring out like what works and what doesn't, yeah, is the most interesting part. Where like. I don't know, maybe they watch people make mistakes. So, the other plot hole... Sorry, I feel like you were trying to move on. Um, no, no, I, I suppose all, all, I was, all I was getting to was the idea that 
the way that they describe the fact that she needs to get to the island, and that's the whole second half of the movie, is yeah, trying to get to this island, to get to this radio, yeah. radio station, is... She has the little guitar amplifier with the microphone that makes a little mini broadcast of this high frequency feedback noise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This like feedback noise. And she's there with her brother while the radio's playing. And she goes, she holds up the ear, the the hearing aid and goes, I could do this to that. Yep. I could do the hearing aid thing to the radio. But she just says, I could do this to that. Hmm. And that didn't make enough sense to me. Maybe I'm dumb, but that didn't make enough sense to me as to like, they didn't say, like, no one then explained, we're going to broadcast this frequency on the radio, uh, and that's going to be able to help everyone around the world. She just goes, I could do this to that, I'm helping. And that's, like, literally, literally all they say. And I just wish, like, because, like, logically, the leaps, that like, I don't understand how it helps, like... Well, that's the problem for me. I get, I got it, I got that that's what she was trying to do. But what frustrated me was like, okay, but that that only solves so little of the problem. Like, I know it's the smallest advantage. How many people have radios? How many people know to tune it to a certain frequency? Like, you need to communicate so much information for that yeah. to actually be a useful solution. It, it almost feels useless. And yeah. so, the whole movie, you're like, yeah, but now what? Yeah. You know, like, even if you achieve your goal... Now what? You're going to have to travel. I guess the implication might be now you travel from place to place. You have this weapon. What, you have unlimited ammo? Because you can't just do that. You need to fuck it. You still need to kill him. It's also just around that island. <laughs> well, right. Like yeah. the radio waves. I mean, you put on a ham radio or something. Like maybe you can get it long distance. But I suppose like, thinking out loud, half of the point is that she feels she hasn't gotten the closure from her dad having died yet yeah and she feels like they're just hiding and she's like no i want to like honor my dad's memory dad would have been brave dad would have tried to help this is yeah, me this yeah. is me trying to help you yeah. guys clearly don't care or even love dad like i love dad because i'm trying to like honor his memory yeah. this is what he would want to do he would be ashamed of us if this is what he if knew we, we would do, hid, kind yeah. of thing yeah so i suppose thinking out loud that's what it is and you don't like that's what that that's the whole but point. That angle of it doesn't feel explored enough. I think it doesn't to, to really justify it. If oh, that was the point, there's a lot of that in the movie, but no yeah. one explained. No one explained in the movie directly like what the radio, what the radio station plan was until they get there, and I was kind of like, oh, right. until she was like hanging the ear, the mic, the hanging the the hearing aid like over the microphone in yeah, the radio station. Yeah, yeah. I thought, oh, okay, yeah, fine. But then my light, my hand went to like, what about the radios? So it would yeah, have been nice if they had like a little. It's just like that. What now? Yeah, yeah, it would have been nice if they had a little two minute discussion about it. I feel like what I'm asking is they just tell me stuff instead of show me stuff. But I feel like it, when it's this many levels, <laughs> you need of a little bit more. Yeah, you just yeah. need a bit more. So you were talking about the intro to the movie where they try and figure out how to be yeah, quiet. Yeah, I love like because so, I think there was a real option for like. You know, because basically what happens is, assumedly, these aliens land and, like, a significant amount of humanity just gets fucking wiped because they're not being careful or whatever. So, it's almost like you survive this thing, which is often the way with these kind of things. It's almost like you survive these first comings out of coincidence, right? And so, like, there's... Yeah, they're they're all hiding in a bar, which kind of greatly frustrated me because it feels like everyone goes quiet all of a sudden. It's almost like everyone... Well, there's a lot of noisy chaos to begin with. Because yeah. I re- rewatched the thing. There's a lot of noise with, well, like when the cop gets like, like dragged out when the guy when he gets out of the car and the like, the, the, the police car gets like flipped over and the, yeah. the yeah. monster like attacks the cop. Yeah. So I can. De- there was a lot of chaos, but then if you go and find a place to hide. You're but gonna, you're gonna like be quiet when you're hiding. I feel like you're gonna be talking to people around you, like maybe whispering or whatever, because you're like, yeah. what the fuck is going on? But it happens. 
I, I would have loved to see John Krasinski learning, because what happens is people start, like someone is talking on the phone or something, and he's like, shut the fuck up. And what I wish is that he sees someone doing that, and then they get killed. Yeah. And then he sees another person making noise, and then they get killed, and he's like, oh shit, they don't see, they hear. There's no. Yeah. I feel like he doesn't learn that. I feel like he knows it too quickly or he realizes yeah, it too quickly. And I, I know so. that the movie just wants to move on. Yeah. But it felt like, again, it was just more of that, we need this script to be 90 minutes. Just, just well, get that, to the that point scene, where... That scene know. is that scene. Yes, uh, but it doesn't do it in a satisfying manner for me. I suppose I, I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't have a problem with that. I, yeah. I sort of felt like, yeah, I, instinctively, I would be quiet if there's some because the, mach- the the thing was like right outside the window, and you could see the silhouette like fucking Nosferatu style. Like you could no, see the shadow that on the window after someone made noise, and he turned and was like, "Shut up." Yeah. So I think he was already. I, I feel like he already had this knowledge of like you can't make any noise. Whereas I don't think this happened like ten minutes ago, man. I don't think you would have figured it out that quickly. I think yeah. people would have been. I think, and even if you did, other people around you, most of the people in that bar were quiet. They yeah. were all hiding silently. Yeah. And then this person is like on the phone, so it just felt to me like the majority of people way too quickly figured out that you have to be quiet. And to move the plot forward, great. Yeah, that works perfectly. Yeah. It means that that scene takes a minute instead of three minutes or four yeah. minutes or whatever. Yeah. But I, I, that was the more interesting part of that scene yeah, for me. Yeah, okay, fair enough. And so I just wanted it to swim in that a little bit more. Yeah, fair enough. It's not so much that it didn't work. It's that I found it moved frustratingly fast. Yeah, no, fair enough. So, I, I, I didn't get that, but I get that also. Sure. That, that, is, that is the stuff I liked more from the first movie. So, I suppose it would have been nice to have more of that. But yeah. you're right in that, like, we've had that. We did that in the totally, first movie. Totally, right. And so, that, for me, like, those were... It, it was almost like a inverting of the scales between the two films and why I liked each one as much as I liked the other. Yeah. Is because the first one, it's so much more of that world building. It's so much more of that, how do we adapt to this new normal? Yeah, and then in the second one, it's like, well, everything's gone to shit, and also this isn't really living anyway, which is kind of a trope from like zombie movies or whatever. It's like if there's, uh, it reminds me of like I Am Legend. Yeah, right? this really reminded me of some of my favorite. I'm, I feel like I'm giving this a glowing review that I didn't intend to give it, but it reminds me mm. a lot of some of my favorite zombie apocalypse stuff. Like uh, The Last of Us does the um, mm. human relationships really well, and like people are prepared to do anything to survive, and like go against their basic human instincts and also type thing. you can't make noise and these things navigate by sound <laughs> genuinely like and I think yeah. I think I know Last of Us is like a 40 to 80 hour story yeah. but I think it does it much better than these movies yeah I mean, Last of Us but, but some of the themes the human like the human relationship type themes in The Last of Us I think it was mm. did really well and something I think that this reminded me of a lot as well is uh, Left for Dead I read a lot of the, <laughs> right. I read yeah, a lot the of the comic swarming. books yeah. yeah the swarming thing but also just like the idea that it's this dra- it's this like thing that doesn't pull any punches like you watch you watch a bear trap close on like a like 10 year old's leg in this movie yeah and that's so brutal and i feel like that if was, it was just also like 10 more disney right it wouldn't have done that and i liked no, the yeah, left for true. dead star thing it was like fuck you we're gonna watch you're gonna watch a 10 year old's leg get caught in a bear do you trap. mean left for dead or walking dead what did I say? You said Left 4 Dead, like the oh. video game. Oh, I meant the whole time. I meant the, I meant the Walking <laughs> Dead because <laughs> I was sorry. like Left 4 Dead. Like there's no, oh, no. characters in Left 4 oh, Dead. What are and you, you were like, at? yeah, like a swarm. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, like they have witches. Yeah, I meant uh, wa- the, the Walking, the walking dead. dead. Right, because yes, the Walking totally. Dead does that human relationship character thing very well as yeah. well, and about how people, some people are who. People change who they are just because of the situation they're yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. And that was a lot of like Killian Murphy's character was dealing with that. Like Emily Blunt goes, like, "Come on, man, we were friends." And he's like, "Yeah, that doesn't, 
That doesn't, like, mean, that that doesn't mean shit. Yeah, yeah if I want to stay yeah. alive, I can't be paying attention to that kind of thing anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, it did feel... this. These are definitely the closest thing to a zombie movie that you get without it actually being a zombie movie, I think. And yeah. there's a lot of zombie movies that have that element of, like, don't make a lot of noise because it attracts them to... Yeah. So, yeah, I think it... Um, I think it had some real strengths. I think that, like you said, the tension scenes were very good, especially like for me, the the highlight was um, where they're sneaking into the recording studio, and yeah, um, oh, it, that was sick. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it was like it's like a Looney Tunes cartoon where yeah. her foot went from like a nail to a bowling ball to broken glass yeah, to, like, to marbles, uh, yeah, like <laughs> a, a set of bells. <laughs> Yeah, really this funny. This is like climbing backwards out of a window trying yeah. to get a under the floor. A deaf person trying yeah. to blindly climb into a room full of shit without making any noise. Very, very like, just, like you said, almost comical in, yeah. in how many times it, they go like, <gasps> and then they move off that object or whatever, yeah. yeah. But it was very tense. It it was borderline too much, but it was like I think it yeah. just was was enough. I think he's a good writer, man. I think he, I think he makes good movies. Like, yeah, yeah. The fact that the I think he's a good. Yeah, yeah. No, I think so. I think he's a good director. He's he's got the only writing credit for this movie. This whole world and everything. I think it's an imaginative like use of like characters Mm. and the world itself. Um, Oh, it says here characters created by two other dudes. Whatever, fine. But um, I liked. I don't know what that means. Characters created by that's insane. It says characters created by Brian Woods and Scott Beck. Uh, isn't Brian Woods quite a well-established Hollywood guy? That name rings a bell, but also he just sounds like a Hollywood name. Yeah. So, oh, Brian Woods and Scott Beck also have co-writes on the first one. Okay. Right. Okay, okay, cool. okay. Okay. And John okay, Krasinski okay. has a a, okay. a co-write. Right. Got it. Right. So maybe those guys were the world-building guys, and then he's more of like a, the action movie kind of dude yeah but regardless he does a good job of um he does a good job of directing it the script is like really quite tight there's not a wasted moment on screen nothing lingers longer than it really needs to so i think the editing is very efficient and very good as well very effective um there was a lot i think my other this isn't so much of a complaint but the other thing i'll say is like this isn't this breaks new ground in a lot of ways but it also really relies on tropes in other ways like Meeting the culty group at the boats. That was something not that explained at all. And yeah. I don't mind, but it felt very much like, yeah, of course you have like a cult that came up and is like being weird freaks. I think that that was in there because I think that was in there because Killian Murphy kept harping on about like, we shouldn't keep going. We don't want to go out there. You don't know what people are like. You've been on your farm for all yeah, this time. Totally. Yeah, people yeah. have changed. People will do anything. People are brutal. Yeah, and he kept saying, using that as an excuse to like not help them, and so I think that they wanted that in there. He put that in there just as like a they go out and the first thing they do is get caught by these brutal guys mm. and Kalima. He's like, I fucking told you. Yeah, but I think I th- get that. Like, I would I wanted that to be developed a bit more. This whole movie would have been really benefited by having an extra half an hour. And I don't think sure. I also think they could have done it because like they they're just weird about it. Like they're all what are you hiding on the boats all the time? Like and then you pop out when someone gets to the end of the pier. <laughs> it's weird. Like yeah. it's very weird. And I feel like it would have been better off if they just. I I would have liked them watch. I mean, this feels almost more tropic, but like watching yeah. the watching the people from afar do some brutal shit and then be like, oh fuck, and yeah. then get caught. And it's like, you've just seen what these people are capable of. Because I think mostly we didn't really see what they're capable of. 
There was nothing. I mean, they were clearly no. going to do bad the stuff. The thing where they tied a noose of cowbells around his neck or whatever it was. Yeah. was really cool. But are they doing like... Are they doing... Are they like the guy from Bird Box where he wants to ritually sacrifice people to these like god figures? Or are they like... Is it, you know, like... Is it a biker gang? You know what I mean? Like where... Obviously not because that would be very loud, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> But like, are they? You know, are they a gang? Or are like they punk a cult? Rockers. Are they <laughs> right? No, are they a gang? Are they a cult? Are they uh, survivalists? Like, what are they? You know. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, maybe it would have taken more time to explain that, but I also feel yeah. like it just could have been approached in a slightly different way to be more interesting and satisfying. I mean, I got um, like the creepy idea of like them kidnapping the young girl and they left him there to die. It was like pretty heavily implied that yeah, yeah, that, that was that like, was this. Oh yeah, we'll take the young woman, but, right? And yeah. so like, I think the idea of leaving him there was just like we don't care what happens to you. We'll tie this noisy shit to you so that you can't yeah. move. Fuck, you can't chase us. It also feels very unnecessary and I guess that was that's why I get the cultish vibe because it's like why do the cowbell shit just stab him and dump him in the water you know what I mean yeah like just fucking shank him and then he won't because like they were the cause of their own demise right like they left him like flailing around and shit and then he like charged at the leader and that's fucking... a common thing where like the the bad guy explains his evil plan to James it's Bond like, instead so of killing funny, him right <laughs> but they can't monologue because they can't make noise uh, yeah right <laughs> he monologues in a different way right yeah yeah, yeah. um but I mean, none of that is to say that like I had a bad time watching the film. I think it was pretty enjoyable. Um, I've heard some people say that it feels very kind of like I guess on the notes of like that fatherhood and stuff. The first one was a little bit trite because it was all about like that sort of self sacrifice, and it's very like yeah, you do get that a little bit from Killian Murphy. It's like you know the role of a father, like the best thing that a father can do is like sacrifice themselves for their family. Yeah, um, and yeah. Okay, I guess it's pretty tropey and tried, but it didn't feel too. Uh, I mean, bad. I don't, I don't mind it. Like people can, it, I think it's a pretty like universal. I mean, the 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 the, the idea of like parents wanting to protect their kids, and then the yeah. idea of kids wanting to like do right by the memory of their parents, kind mm. of thing. I, I I think that's a universal enough feeling that it's like, yeah, sure, it's tropey, but that's because it's like a. I think it's mostly like the self sacrifice of the father kind of thing because like uh. emily blunt is um like actually quite a strong and interesting presence in the film i think the sacrifice of a father things are reverse on the trope of the sacrifice of like the the woman every fucking christopher yeah, nolan movie has yeah. a dead i mean yeah, dead wife the, in it yeah exactly this could have been that and it's not i think it's cool no, that that's it's great that yeah emily yeah. blunt has as much of presence and autonomy as she does like it's yeah i think she does a really good job she's like quietly um, an action movie star. She's excellent. She fucking yeah. rocks. She's I a watched, lot of this I rewatched shit. Edge of Tomorrow. Again I've never recently, seen that. That's good. Oh Christ! Really? That's the Tom Tom Cruise where he dies a lot. One. Man, we should where watch he dies that. A lot. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. You die a lot. Is the, the name woman of that. he lives dies and then Mock it happens Buster. again. Yeah, live die live again die again. <laughs> um, that is a great fucking movie. Actually, yeah. I'll say this. Edge of Tomorrow, obviously not going for the same thing, but Edge of Tomorrow... Actually, there are some similarities because the things in Edge of Tomorrow also move unfathomably fast and kill you in a very unfair way if you're right. a human. And so, like, I feel like there are a lot of similarities between those two films. I swear to God, if the enemy's fucking time, like, it moves quickly, it kills you in an unfair way. No. Nah. It's time, baby. Um, what is this, a riddle? Hey. The, uh, no, they're like literal aliens. You see them quite frequently. Yeah. But um, I think Edge of Tomorrow is vastly superior to either of these two films. I would rather watch Edge of Tomorrow again 
than a third quiet place. Well, I think there will be a third quiet I place as well. I absolutely don't doubt that, and I am getting less enthused. Like I felt like they were I pushing skept- the envelope on this one. Yeah, I was skeptical and I enjoyed this. Yeah, like I think yeah. this was like a three and a half. I, I, the the little gripes is what annoyed me. The little yeah. gripes about like me thinking like, what about this? What about this? What about this? Like, I'll I'd be shocked if they could have as much because I feel like they've really like they this wasn't unoriginal. So I don't feel like yeah. they're scraping the bottom of the barrel, but I feel like okay, now it feels like you're gonna have to start really juicing this shit yeah. for all it's worth in order to get anything new out of it. Yeah. So it's gonna be. I feel I. I would be baffled if they found a way to not make this just more of the same. One of the kids you know has got I mean? one foot now. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are they gonna oh, do? That was the other thing. Fuck you, Killian Murphy. These things can't read. Just put signs up around your fucking farm saying, "Hey." This is booby trapped to shit. Okay? Yeah. So yeah, I, call it was ahead of, or something. Kind of insane that and I get, they didn't have an ounce about the bear trap thing. Yeah, and if she was like I, I what I would have liked. He was, is he was if, also about to shoot them. Right. No, right. And that I, was just as much as it to, seems like he's protecting himself. Because initially I was like, oh, he's putting like landmines and shit down so that if these things come anywhere near, they'll No, that just was just as much about people as it was about the Right, aliens. and that's yeah. why I realized so that's why it wasn't written down. But then that wasn't addressed, and I feel like if they'd had yeah. again that moment of conflict of Emily Blunt being like, Why the fuck are there bear traps in your yard? And he's yeah. like, Because there are people around who clearly you've never met yeah. that will kill me. Yeah, but there's all people. He also had the fire, which is what they went to. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. He yeah. was lighting the beacon. Exactly. So yeah. I don't know. And, and they do. They. I think they ask, "Why did you do that? If you didn't care, why yeah. did you light your fire or whatever?" Yeah. Um. And I, I like that he did feel like a not very well explained, or not not well explained, but not very explained, very complicated character because he yeah. also like the kid finds the desiccated body of his wife. Yeah, up in and, the his, top. and his kid died. And, and you're not yeah. 100% sure if he just has never addressed that body or if something happened and he killed yeah. his wife. Yeah. So I was kind of, the whole time I was kind of like, is this dude? Is it going to turn out that this guy's like a real bad guy or, or what? But then it doesn't. And um, that is, you're right. That is actually, I feel like it. <sighs> I think he just didn't want to address the trauma, and so yeah, he just there's, left. There's it some there. stuff where I really like that it didn't explore it. Like yeah. I completely, as soon as he, as soon as the body was there, I was like, oh, I get it completely. Maybe yeah. it's because uh, there's a similar theme from uh, Mayor of East Town, where there's this mm. place where her son died that she just never fucking wants right. to ever go again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like a room in her house. Yeah, and she just uh, and never goes in that thing, fucking right? room. People ever just again. saying, I'm just, I'm just never going there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so I, I, get I sort of get, I, yeah, I get yeah. that, and I get like, yeah, he can't bring himself to like what, like what's, how's he going to bury the thing in the first place? Because I thought they like, were setting his character up for like, oh, you killed your wife and child. Like he's uh, going full psycho mode. Yeah, and, you know, and so they're like living with what's that? Oh, um, War of the Worlds. So they have yeah. they're coming across that guy in his basement and. They're like... Um, I don't know what you're talking about. I trust you, but great. It they come across this guy and they're, they're hiding from the aliens. Yeah. And this J- Tom Cruise, and I, I can't remember if this happens in any other versions. He, they meet a crazy guy in the original book, but in this version, he's got his daughter, Dakota Fanning, with him as well. And he, they slowly realize this man is insane yeah. and might try sure. and kill them all yeah. and take their stuff or whatever. So he kills... He, like, he, he tells Dakota Fanning, he's like, hey, I'm just going to go and talk to him put this pillow over your head and don't yeah. come out until <laughs> yeah. I come and get you. <laughs> it's like very yeah. funny. He's like, basically like, I'm going to go and kill this motherfucker. That happens a lot with um, 
uh, The Walking Dead as well. Totally, yeah. With like people that have kept zombified people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So again, a little bit tropey. Maybe I was just looking for those kind of things because it felt so similar to those. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's all I've got to say on it. Yeah, that's all I got as well. I think it's definitely worth seeing. It's worth your time. Yeah, it's it's bafflingly good for a sequel to A Quiet Place. Yeah, it was worth seeing in the cinema as well, I think, Mm. in terms of... Uh, the sound, I think, does just mm. as the good big spectacle. I think it's worth seeing in the cinema. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I don't still don't think it was as good as the first one. No, I don't think it could have been just by virtue of being a sequel. Yeah, That's my but I've take. watched. I mean, I, I, well, uh, it's hard for me to draw a distinction between movies that I find uh, like horror movies and like suspenseful thriller type movies. Mm. So I think that for me, this wasn't like Quiet Place One. I found like scary. Like a Quiet Place One, I would almost class as like a horror movie. I think these are both. Action horror, yeah. So this this one I found this one I found closer towards horror than some other. Th- I mean, no one's going to have heard of this, but there's this. I was looking for like a horror movie to watch yeah, just for yeah. fun on Netflix, and I watched this movie called Don't Breathe, <laughs> which which is about. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like a mockbuster. Too. It was fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't breathe. If you breathe, you die. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's about so like stupid. It was fun. That that was fun. It was about these three teenagers that break into this blind guy's house to rob him, but the yeah. blind guy's like a ripped fucking like war vet. Uh, and he and hunts he, with like, sound. <laughs> right. And he beats the shit out of them and yeah, he hunts with sound. Right. right. Great. But that one was and like what do they have to they have to follow any kind of special rules <laughs> to avoid oh God, getting harmed or anything? <laughs> Is there any, anything? <laughs> yeah, the, um, no? it, it, it helps if yeah. they don't make any loud noise. Okay, right, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like inhale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, they Dumb. were like, we want to do a quiet place, but we have no budget. We'll just get a blind guy in a house. Yeah, That'll that's do. right. Yeah, it's just a guy who's really good at hearing. <laughs> the, the blind guy looks like the fucking... Uh, like Dave Batista. The fucking Tears and Rain guy from the end of oh, Blade right. Runner. Rutger Hauer. Looks yeah. like Rutger. He's fucking jacked, man. Oh, right. Uh, anyway, that movie is... R.I.P. to a real one, by the way. Rutger oh, yeah. That, that movie was like just suspenseful, and mm. I didn't really find it very scary. So I would say I like this more than your average... Suspenseful thriller, okay. Like Don't Breathe, but right. not as much as uh, the first Quiet Place. So that's my more than not as much as. What's yours? Okay, <laughs> very good. <laughs> uh, that's what. That's where I'm at. This definitely wasn't as good as Edge of Tomorrow. I yeah. highly recommend going and wow. watching that. It's trying to do a very different thing, but it was better than Bird Boxed again. Bird Boxed. Bird Boxed. <laughs> Bird Boxed. Hot Box. Um, <laughs> it's better than Bird Box, and it was also. Uh, yeah, better than Bird Box, not as good as the first one, and also not as good as like Edge of Tomorrow, which is a, a movie that's equally interesting for looking at looking at um, aliens and monsters. And I forgot shit. about Bird Box completely. What was the conceit in that? They can't look at it. Yeah, they can't. Yeah, they can't make eye contact. Yeah, fuck that. All right, don't, cool. Don't look. Don't look. <laughs> fuck. Keep the keep the bird in the box. You could put them three. You could put those three together in a triple box, triple DVD box set, and call it the Helen Keller box. Nice. Thanks, brother. Very good. Yep, very good. And on that bombshell. <laughs> um, uh, way too often. Uh, Helen Keller and Anne Frank are like way too closely linked in my head. Mm. And I don't think there's any... I mean, they're both like women. And they both had I a guess pretty, they probably didn't spend a whole lot of time talking. They both probably enjoyed their childhood to a similar degree. Maybe. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. That's true. If I do any more, I'm going to get cancelled, bro. Can we end this We're episode? We're dangerously close. Yeah. All right. All right cool. Let's call it that. <laughs> <laughs> See All you right. later, guys. Tell Thank your friends you. if you want. Uh, if you want 
No, we want you to tell your friends. I would like you to tell your friends. If you think this is good. Yes. Uh, stay tuned. In the next few weeks, we're going to do another episode. We don't know yet, but it's in the description. We yep. will have decided by the time I edit this. Yep. So Maybe The King. I don't know. What? Who knows? The David Machade film. <laughs> yeah, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe. Great. We'll <laughs> maybe uh, Mr. Regal Leader. Let's talk about it after this music fades oh, up. Great. Yep. Right. yep, yep. <laughs> so, yeah, bye. Okay, bye. Bye, bye, bye.